0: There are two rules, to remember if you want to have a good time. Rules, no rules. Rule number one.
1: Keep your friends close, but your enemies close. Rule number two. You're a dragon.
0: Be a dragon. Ciao, Bella.
1: This week on Double Dragon, Steve and I cover episode five, We Light the Way. Then Kavita Mudan Finn joins me to talk about clothing, specifically the colors of clothing in the medieval world. There were actually laws about who could wear what, and I found that fascinating. You, of course, can send emails to book at baldmove.com. And I will mention again my buddy Patrick Moran is doing House of the Dragon themed artwork. Go to his website at Patrick Moran Art and Design to see his latest. Okay, without further ado, here is comic Steve Osborne. Hey, Steve, have you ever worn a green dress that incited a rebellion?
2: <laughs> you know, and I, I, I'm thinking back to uh, how often I wear, like, I have I have three pairs of, of green shoes. Um, mm, I've seen,
1: I've seen at yeah, least you, one
2: pair of them. Right, and I mean, looking back, I mean, I wore those green shoes to the premiere. Yeah. And I had no idea what I was stepping into. I'll sending all kinds of mixed signals.
1: I have an association with green that I don't know if it's actually true or not. When I was a kid, I had this view, and I, I don't know where I got it, but I had this idea that if a guy was wearing a green jacket and he had one red shoe and one blue shoe, then he would sell drugs to either the Crips or the Bloods. What? I heard this. <laughs> somewhere. And so I was always like on the lookout for someone like dressed like a clown. <laughs> <laughs> Never saw him. Never saw this in real life, but I, that is my associate. <laughs> that is wow. my
2: association with that color green. Green jacket, red shoe, blue shoe. Mhm. Yeah. And so that so that was like he was like the the, what, the Switzerland of of gang relations like
1: yeah, specifically for drug deals. Okay. Are you saying you never heard that?
2: I don't think anyone's ever heard that.
1: (laughs) (laughs) All right. uh, So I've identified uh, five, six, a number of storylines, and I'm going to start reading one of them. (laughs) This is called... (coughs) This will save me some time from counting these up. Got it. Uh, This is called The Veil. Rhea Royce, Lady of the Vale, rides out to hunt and exchanges pleasantries with her cousin. Upon her return, she sees a man in black, who turns out to be her husband. She insults him, gets spooked, which in turn spooks the horse. The horse falls on top of her. Damon puts a boot on her arm, sees that it's broken, and turns to leave. She provokes him again. Then he picks up a rock as if to kill her. All right. So later on, arriving late to the feast, Damon is accused of murder by Ray's cousin Gerald. Damon replies by claiming his inheritance of Runestone. This first scene, Damon Targaryen says nothing. What
0: brings you to the Vale? have you at last come to consummate our marriage? The veiled sheep might be willing, even if I'm not. Our sheep are prettier, after all. Or perhaps your brother has at last had his fill of your company. Cast you aside in favour of a little girl. What will you do now? Will you strike the child down? Cool.
2: He has no lines. How do you how do you take
1: that? I think that the writers, the showrunners, the directors are all trying to make Damon seem a very ambiguous character. Mm-hmm. We're not going to give you any more than you need, and every single thing he does could be read
2: multiple ways.
1: And I I think that they're intentionally toying with us. Well, the um, fact
2: that we don't see him killer yeah it could, have, it could have been a choice right like and initially you could think okay well that's a choice that they make to to just sort of move on from something gruesome but the end of the 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 show or the episode uh suggests that they're not really too too concerned about shying away from the gruesome so uh almost everything he does it did did he have ed or did he walk away did he
1: kill his wife yeah, pretty sure I mean, he killed
2: his wife. According to Gerald's account, everything would have lined up with what we assumed was about to happen, but because he's been unreliable uh-huh. uh, to his own actions, and because there's he's cloaked in in ambiguity, and yeah. he's like the the Lord of conjecture at this point, right? And so he <laughs> it's it's almost impossible to know, and so the assumption is okay. We, we he picked up a rock and. And then that was that. And then we know that she was dead; that she had, yeah. uh, you know, her obviously injured, uh, head wound, or whatever. So it's like everything would line up. I mean, it was like all the information is right there. But then again, right. all the information was right there when uh, rumors were going about uh, him and Renera. And so there's well, all. Well, even the,
1: back to the first episode, it's like, did he really say prince for a day?
2: Right, right, or not? That wasn't, yeah, because he doesn't deny it. it, right? Right. Yeah, exactly. So that's it, it, and it could just be an effect, right? That could be like sometimes yes, sometimes no, and sometimes you just don't know. And maybe that's the key, right? I mean, they just always keep it. And it's it's an interesting trick for the audience, right? Because at the actions and and the ramifications all still happen, mm-hmm. but we are also left with a it's an interesting trick, right? Cuz we're 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 left in in like we're actually part of the show. To some degree.
1: So here's the other thing that this does that I find interesting. Number one, I don't feel fooled by any of this. I feel like I'm reading him as a bad person now. Right. <laughs> I, right. I'm, pre- I'm pretty even sure. Even if, he if me.
2: even if he opted to be like, mm, I'm not gonna bash your face in. I'll just leave you here to die. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. I, well, that's better. To
1: me, he's he's fascinating, but he's I, I don't think that he's morally gray. I think he's a murderous son of a bitch. That's how mm-hmm. I'm reading him now. So, here's the other thing that's interesting to me. Like, there's this kind of this rule in visual storytelling that if you don't actually see someone murdered on screen, then maybe they can bring a character back later, right? Uh-huh. I don't think that they're going to bring his wife back. I think she's dead. But I think that what they're go- they're trying to do is they're almost trying to say, yeah, we're going to have a bunch of people die off screen. You're not going to know, because we're not following those old rules anymore. I think that this this show is intentionally vague on a number of deaths so that you're if they want to pull that trick later they can and it might be like oh well i could I, I could totally tell that that person's not really dead
2: that, that's well, i guess, I guess you think. do open up the the possibility that he did leave her for dead and figured he she would die gerald finds her and she's alive but he's going to say that she's dead so that that could complicate his inheritance. Yeah. I mean, there there's that possibility, right? But I mean it's it's that scene it seems like it's pretty clear to me that 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 what happened is what happened, but because we didn't see it it leaves just the, the door open a little bit.
1: Okay, I want to talk a little bit about this scene because um I was kind of thrilled to see some other place in the kingdom and some character I'd never met before. And she's riding horseback. She's nowhere near King's Landing. And I was thinking, Finally they're gonna introduce right. me to like the wider world. Yeah,
2: yeah, I could see that.
1: And then of course the, and then like within the next five minutes she's dead.
2: I would say that I did have a similar reaction though, with the idea that like, oh we're 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 getting out. Yeah. <laughs> No longer doing the 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 staycation version of of Game of Thrones, We're <laughs> exploring the space.
1: Sure, sure. Now I did feel a similar thrill when I I finally started to see the strong characters. I don't know they're they're finally
2: coming into their own. Well, yeah. Now we're seeing the like because it's, it's when we talk about uh, strong earlier about being a, a, a like a logical choice for the the hand of yeah. the king. Um, But there's no way you can, you know, like like we talked about before, like, are you suspicious? And I'm like, well, of course, it's Game of Thrones. Uh, And then when you see, like, already the network of his his son, there's a very complex web that's being uh, woven here. And
1: the fact, well, and also we're introduced to characters that we've known before, but we didn't see their personalities at all. Right. Right. So uh, Lenore and Lena. We're seeing a more robust introduction to them, and then of course we meet uh, Lenore's paramour, mm-hmm. the Knight of Kisses. Pretty good
2: nickname, Knight of Kisses. <laughs> yeah, it's not bad. I
1: mean, uh, <laughs> you don't, you don't come about that lightly. And uh, and then of course we see him depart as well. But anyway, I'm I'm glad that they're expanding the universe a bit. I would have liked to spend a little bit more time in the Vale.
2: Well, I feel like we. I mean. It, uh, feels like I super we'll, we'll, we'll get there. But that's the thing is that, that Damon seems to go places and we rarely go there with him.
1: Sure. Again, with the chaos tornado thing, you kind of don't know. Did he go there intending to kill her or not? Right. Or was it like this happened and it's like, OK, I think I think I'll do this now. Right. Uh, you know, did I don't I don't think he intentionally spooks her horse. He's he's got his hand out. He's trying to calm the horse. Um, the horse falls, she she falls off the horse, and I think he like... Opportunistic. Yeah, again, I, I think it's sort of like he's a chaos tornado, he arrives, things happen, and he just goes
2: with it. And then later, later he can kind of claim agency over it, right? Because like, the way he behaves, in the same way he, when being mm-hmm. interrogated by Viserys, it's like, it's like maybe it didn't go the way he wanted it to, but now he's he's still trying to control the narrative, and it's like and 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 even there's ambiguity there right mm-hmm. i mean did i didn't i you know that's yeah it's all part of it right it's all it's all part of the the chaos chaos stays chaotic as long as there's no resolution
1: yeah okay so just to play devil's advocate here um normally when he arrives it's pretty obvious right you see a big dragon in the sky he descends he's wearing daemon targaryen clothing in this case, no dragon, so how did he get there? Not sure. He's wearing black with a hood on. So no bright colors. Very Skywalker. A little bit yeah, sure. A little bit Sith Lord, right? Yeah. And then so it's almost like he wants to he wants to go by stealth. Why do that unless you wanted to do something nefarious? Right, right. So again, yes, it's it's ambiguous, but if you wanted to argue, like, yeah, he showed up because he was—he was—he meant to do
2: dirty. He knows that he knows that the wedding is coming. He knows that there's, you know, uh-huh. if there's a plan, if there's a plan to be hatched, now is the time to start hatching it.
1: Okay, storyline number two: Viserys pukes off the side of a boat. Hilarious. Here's my description of this: Viserys pukes off the side of a boat, and others watch. <laughs>
2: Do you have any thoughts on this, Steve? Uh, they're just watching him yak, and he's the king. <laughs> I know how much you love to see people throw up. It's, it's one of the best. It's one of the best things. Uh, I am notoriously uh, really bad at throwing up. Uh, I mean, I can do it, but it's, it's bad it's, at it's it. Like, like, he, like it's a it's a whole thing. Like,
1: does that mean that you can't make yourself throw up, or that when you
2: throw up, it's just really bad? Yeah, I've never been able to make myself throw up. Like I'll just sit there and just be just just fingering my uvula to no to no avail. And and when I do throw up, it's it's a production. <laughs> like my wife hates when I throw up, and like cause she throws up, it's like Bleh, you know, and then that's it. But for me, it's a whole like like the house shakes a little bit. I mean,
1: is there a lot of shouting involved?
2: <laughs> yeah, it's just. I think I think guys like starting up their Harley at five in the morning is is less obnoxious.
1: <laughs> All right. Well, anyway, I wanted to give you a little bit of room to cook on that because I know I know you're a big fan. It's, it's, it's important to me. Okay. This is a uh, Otto's departure. Allison chases after her father. He blames her for his dismissal, claiming that she chose to back Rhaenyra. He tells her that. She had better get her son on the throne, or Renera will be forced to kill the child. That's a lot to lay on a kid. Yeah, it really is, right? I mean... I know, she's your friend. I mean, I don't even ask my kids what they want to be
2: when they grow up, because I don't want to put pressure on them. (laughs) I don't... (laughs) To threaten that their 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 best friend is going to kill their kid <laughs> if if they don't shape up. If you don't keep the kingdom out of a lot war, you're a failure. Yeah, and also, it's your responsibility it's... to keep the kingdom out of all that war. <laughs> and you, you may have already set the wheels in motion. It's probably your fault that the kingdom's going to go to war. Times have certainly changed, right? Like, like now people would say, like, oh, you know, your your mother and I are are splitting up but it's not your fault it has nothing to do with you but you go back into these times yeah. and it's just like well you know I lost my job because you're really bad at being a good daughter
1: <laughs> uh, I could listen to Otto Hightower say war all day I mean when he when he says war it gets really guttural it's like Whoa. it may be months or years but he'll not live to be an old man and if Ramirez succeeds him war will follow you understand the realm will not accept her, and to secure her claim, she'll have to put your children to the sword. She'll have no choice. You know, it's, <laughs> it's like, it's a whole thing. I really think, you know, war is a horrible thing. I feel like every single time we use that word, it ought to be with Otto Hightower's intonation.
2: Yeah, no, it's certainly uh, showing that, that this is a time uh, pre-lozenge. <laughs> uh,
1: all right, so... I think that this is Allison's kind of light bulb moment, and she has a couple light bulb moments in this episode. But I feel like when she, when he tells her your children are going to be murdered, she will your best friend will be forced to murder the kids. I don't care how nice you think she is. I don't care how much you trust her. She is going to be forced to have to kill your children. And the only way to save them is to put Aegon on the throne.
2: At that moment she
1: decides, okay, I'm I'm for, for the high towers.
2: Yeah, and it's hard to know for sure. Is it is it a maternal or is it uh or or is she just kind of now come to that realization that her her passivity is not in her best interest and I think sure. that's kind of how she's been operating we've talked about this before right. is that like when to talk, talk about agency and she just sort of all right well I guess I got to do this now Well, I guess I gotta do this now and and I think Otto really kind of lays it out and it just says you know doing nothing um is it's it this role your your job as queen it's not to do nothing you know you do have the ability to influence uh the king's decisions and you've seen it and so you really need to be thinking long term about it, right? Well, like, he's and saying that's, you got to play the game.
1: You got to play the game of thrones. It's it's sort of the "the winner you die" speech that, that right. Cersei gives, right?
2: Yeah, and this is uh, you know going back to what we talked about with with Viserys. I mean, he has this like he understands the notion of duty and he understands the political game. But I think, but he but he also is like trying to upset it in a way that is is a bit passive it's like well, yeah but i want this right so and you have to make a decision like we've said are you going to are you going to do something different than tradition intentionally and then follow through even though you're going to have obstacles and you're going to have mm. challenges along mm. the way or are you going to just keep on being you know be politically minded for the system that is con- that is set up currently so that it can keep on going in perpetuity and so here we have this same sort of thing. It's like that. Some of the things that we consider virtuous about some of these folks are the, the, it's it's vulnerability in in that world, right? Because part of it being, and Viscerous even talks about it. and I'm sure we'll get in, in, into that subject about like, well, his legacy is is sort of like meh.
1: It's it's <laughs> meh, and yet you know, in our world, it'd be like. That's how you ought to live. We're all sort of right.
2: living meh because that's what peace is like, right? Right. It's not peace heroic. It's, <laughs> yeah, and so for him, it's like, well, I won't be remembered because everything was fine. And it's like, and maybe that's part of the actions, right? It's like, well, it's easy to be more passive in your decision-making because you don't, you don't have to really look towards the future when your present isn't uh, threatened. Right. And so here we have that where it's starting to happen, right? Like, because of that of that you know passive nature the irony here is like well you're actually kind of creating a a situation where the next person's legacy is going to be shaped by by how they they manage conflict because your inaction or your sort of maybe laissez-faire approach to decision making has set into motion uh vulnerabilities that that are perceived as weaknesses, and those weaknesses will be exploited by by challengers.
1: Absolutely, and and I think Alicent realized that she's being tested, right? So later on, Viserys talks about like if I had been tested, maybe I'd be a forged different person. Well, Alicent realizes in this moment that she's being tested, and she's got to take sides. And I think it, this is the moment where she decides, I'm going to choose my family. And that, and that includes her children. So I think that there is a maternal aspect to this, too. Um, let me jump into the next storyline, because it, it allows us to talk about the other element of this. This is, I'm calling Allison's Come Up. Allison is doing her best Sansa Stark impression in front of a weirwood tree. Larys Strong tells her that Rhaenyra was brought tea the night of Daemon's return in the creepiest possible way. <laughs> Allison summons Christian to ask him about Rhaenyra's sex life. Kristen confesses his own dishonor. She thanks him for his honesty. Later on, Allison arrives late to the welcome feast. She interrupts the king's speech in a notably green dress. Finally, she finds Kristen in the god's wood, about to commit suicide, and stops him. So the other part of this is that she realized. She- She realizes once again she cannot trust her friend. She's been played. She's been, she's being played by everybody and she feels foolish about it. And I think she resolves, like, I'm not going to be the fool anymore. I'm going to start playing other people. They're not going to play me.
2: Right. And, and it's, and it's a pretty dramatic shift, right? I mean, it's, um, it's, it is wild when we've seen so much of her sort of just letting everybody else. Run the show, and whether it was mm-hmm. that she was trying for peace or she was, you know, I mean, also, she's very young. Uh, she's, uh, you know, her life went from I'm hanging out with, uh, you know, a princess to now I'm her stepmom. I mean, that's
1: also her dad was kind of a jerk, but she thought her dad was smart, right? I think that she right. thought maybe my dad is not the most trustworthy guy, but at least I can trust him to be politically smart so I better do what he says now now her dad's gone and he's basically saying it's on you now this is on you you're you're gonna have to be politically smart and I think she realizes that if they're counting on me to be politically smart I am never going to trust Renera again
2: right well and the other part of this too is that you've got it's an interesting dynamic with uh with her and, and Otto it's like hey I put you in this position you know and like and maybe that's kind of news to her to some degree like he's like or, or even if she knew it was like okay well wait a minute now it's like and she, and and he's like i and so i kind of expected you to continue to do this to do the right thing as far as i'm concerned and she didn't is from his perspective and so now mm-hmm. it's like it's like well wait a minute like she's even even if she looks to her father with respect his plan was to use her as a pawn who knows how long <laughs> right. right i mean sure so i mean it's it's a hard it's a hard spot to be in because you're like well everybody's using me i either have to go completely independent which is just not happening mm-hmm. or i have to decide which which side you know which side do i want to be used by and maybe more to the point which side can i be simultaneously used by but also have more agency and yeah it sounds like it's team hightower and it, and that and that does make sense, especially if you know that your husband has a shelf life. Who's on your side there, right? I mean, you they may, you know, the the realm may prefer your son to be uh, on the throne, but if it switches, if if he if he drops dead and Renara's in charge, well, good luck. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Who's you know, so it you better you better kind of plant your flag now.
1: That's right. I this show is so much more, and in some ways, this show is a lot more subtle than the previous Game of Thrones. Like it, I, I compared Allison to uh, Sansa in this episode. What was Sansa going through? Well, let's see here. Her betrothed put her father's head on a spike, and then he invited her outside to look at it. Right? It's not. It's right. not very subtle. <laughs> you know. No. It, it's right. kind of in your face. Um hey by the way I killed your Septa too. There's her head over there. This <laughs> this show is like I'm going to show up about 3 minutes too late to this party. I'm going to wear a green dress and I'm going to make a political statement and then I'm going to walk and I'm I'm going to say hello to Renera, but I'm going to make sure that she knows that I'm saying hello very a very cool voice and i might look away from her in disdain but only subtly you know it's all it's all kind of like this show is has a has a whole different tone and i think it might shift later in the season right but so far this the stakes are like really loud and really
2: silent at the same time well and that's i think it 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 really works well with uh Becerra's, you know lamenting as he's uh, just getting grosser by the second about how you know like he, there's just not a whole bunch going on like in the grand scheme of <laughs> yeah. of uh, of his parti- of this this chapter uh-huh. of the Targaryen history it's not like it's he's just going to go down he's not going to go as Viserys the brave or Viserys the conqueror he's just going to go as Viserys the pussy <laughs> that's right yeah yeah he's, <laughs> he's roadie.
1: he's super pussy this guy um yeah, the thing about it is like, all right, so Allison's walking around the party and Hobert Hightower comes up to her and says, I thought you'd wither in the bright sun of King's Landing after your, your father's shadow left. But you stood tall. He's showing his allegiance. He's, he's basically saying, right. hey, if it comes down to you or her, we're going to back you. And I want you to know right. that we're behind you. But again, very subtle. You know, this is all mm-hmm. kind of like subtext. This is a show all about the yeah. subtext,
2: right? Because it's because we're moving, right? We're moving towards uh, a, a certain inevitability of where where conflict mm-hmm. has to come up, mm-hmm. right? And and that you know, and so it's interesting when we see the, and we'll get to that in the storyline. But when uh, Kristen does what he does, it's it is pretty jarring. So you know, I mean, we've seen some violence for sure, yeah. but this is like. This is like, oh yeah. If this were we were watching the original Game of Thrones, we're like, oh yeah, we we were due for a, for a, a face smashing. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. and <laughs> and so because we haven't really had like it's it's been this slow burn of tension because everything's under the surface, and that's what makes the political intrigue in this one so much more um, captivating, in my opinion, uh, because it is under the surface, and there are mm-hmm. these family ties, and and because it's if you were to from an outside looking in, you would just go, well, that, yeah, this is the way it goes. You know, it's a little different. Oh, the, a, a woman on the throne. Well, that's, that's scandalous. And so like, it's more stuff you'd read in the headlines, but uh, underneath it all is, is just a, it's a powder keg, yeah, right? I mean, that's it's just right. I think that waiting, that's what they're doing. It's waiting to get They're ready. doing
1: that really well. Like this whole thing's a powder keg. And, and it's almost like every episode, you see a little bit more gunpowder poured into the powder keg Mm -hmm. and you know you know because it's game of thrones
2: it's it's gonna blow at some point right yeah who's the match right (laughs) who's who's about to set this thing yeah i think that
1: we're supposed to think that that green dress is the match um and just a little kind of behind the scenes book stuff is that eventually this thing devolves into civil war you probably
2: guessed that Dance of the Dragons. Yeah,
1: and it's it's the Greens versus the Blacks. Th- that's sort of how they demarcate themselves. Um, and of course, you know now we know why the Greens are called the Greens. So yeah, of course, I th- I think that I think there's they've been doing some really interesting stuff with costuming throughout this season, but I haven't really wanted to call it out. But this episode, we, what we see Damon come up, he's wearing a black hood, right? right and then, and then, of course, when Allison shows up, she's wearing the green dress um i I enjoyed that, and i'll have I'll have a little medievalist on this episode to talk about uh the purpose of colorful clothing in the medieval world Steve, nice. Um. Anything else about this? We're gonna get to the actual feast here in a bit, but um, I think Allison's. This is sort of Allison's episode
2: for sure, because she gets. I mean, and it's in it. And I think it's particularly intriguing too, and it adds nuance to it. Is like she's learning that she's being played while she's being played. Right. I mean, if you think about it, yes. Otto is is Otto is really still turning the screws letting her know i'm like he, he's laying the stakes out for her but he's also he knows he's her father he knows what buttons to push and then you've got is it laris right oh uh, yeah
1: laris I, and, again and he, i'm excited i'm really excited about laris but go ahead
2: well because now we got now we're getting our you know sort of uh a little bit more now we like a little little finger type yep, uh right, dablings, right? where it's everything is it's like it's very tucker carlson i'm just asking the question (laughs) i'm not saying anything i'm just asking oh what a relief that it wasn't that and it's just really something and so he he totally sets her up and and he knows exactly what he so he is playing her and to get to the truth Mm -hmm. which is an interesting angle too right where it's like I love how no one says anything about anything. It's always just sort of, you know, flirt towards it yeah, so that it'll, okay. it, so that 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 they can do the work, and then you have like plausible deniability about anything. Well, Laris and is so interesting
1: because what he does is I think he's figured out like people don't view me as a threat, mm-hmm. and so and it's it's because of his disability. And so what what does he do? He kind of hunches over. Like, I don't know if he needs to hunch, but I think he's a tall guy. Yeah. But he wants to make himself look a little bit less intimidating. Um, maybe he's leaning on his cane a little bit too much. When he came into the room during the hunt, he, like, sits down with the ladies and he's like, Yeah, looks like the gods didn't want to give me a heroic physique. I'll, I'll hang out with you ladies. He really sort of leaning into the idea that he's not a threat at all. Like, what is he doing in the garden? He's smelling roses, you know. He's, he's smelling yeah. flowers. He knows a little bit about botany. He's concerned with Renera because maybe she was sick. I, I, I was a little bit concerned. Is she unwell? So he's kind of leaning into his disability and using it to his advantage.
2: Yeah. So that that is uh yeah. That, so that scene was 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 pretty pretty great. And then it then it leads to her interrogating Kristen, not not expecting the answer she was going to uh-huh. get. Um. Which, you know, again, is this Kristen being dutiful or is he just ticked off? Maybe he wants to, maybe he's got no one to brag to. Uh, he is, okay, he's an
1: interesting character have in this story because he's almost your Ned Stark character a little bit.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Like I can't, I can't see Ned Stark ever sort of committing suicide for love or whatever. But he's, he's this guy that it, his vows mean something to him. He's just, he feels really conflicted that he's now a man of dishonor. and It's almost like he can't imagine living with the secret out in the world that makes him look dishonorable. He would rather die. Right. And you put him against, like, in contrast to all these other devious people in King's Landing. It's almost how Ned Stark functioned the first season of Game of Thrones.
2: Right, and he, you know, his confession becomes a plea to be to be spared a brutal death. Right, um, yeah, <laughs> and so it, it's like he, it, in a way, in a way, he that was his as much as the uh, attempt in in uh, the Godswood area to do himself in. You could argue that he was committing suicide by confessing. Right,
1: I think so. Um, if, That's
2: right. If he truly, if he truly believed that that would be the outcome and he was going to going to go to the mercy because i think it was like i don't want to i can't it, whether it was honor whether it was love whether it was a combo of both um which is an interesting thing too because you know it's one thing to say he's super honorable but like his option was well why don't we just flee and get married and you, right. you know ditch the crown that that's not the most honorable thing it's not
1: the most honorable um, but i think i think there's part of it like he can't live with his dishonor and then there's a part of him that
2: feels like I was in love, right? And if I dishonored myself, it's got to mean something. Yes, now that's
1: right. I can live with this if if my love is reciprocated.
2: If you're gonna if you're gonna have me dishonor my myself in for, for, my code, and then have me be a secret lover, that's not better. <laughs> that's, well, I think the other way to read that is he, you know, he's just lovesick and he can't live without her.
1: I mean that that that, that yeah. that's another way to look at this. Anyway, I thought it was interesting that Allison does not reveal to him what she was initially
2: asking well so is this is this I, and this i think shows that like okay well allison may have been the sleeping giant right um you don't grow up with otto as your father and not probably not pick up a exactly few things, right exactly like a good coach's son who ends up being a good coach himself right like you just sort of absorb some of this right so So once that so once she gets the information from Laris and then she uses it to to, you know, get more details from Kristen and then brand new information comes along again. This is all about calling audibles. Right. She, to your point, does not reveal. But instead, it's like, ooh, this might be this might be a little little bit of Mm -hmm. ammunition that I could be using later and so now she reacts, and, and, and her reaction instead of you know storming into to confront Renera or go to the king, she she sashays in with a green dress and and it's on. Yeah, that's right. And then later she she spares him. So not only does she spare his life in because she had every right and probably almost duty to have him killed, she spares his life, and then she. Sp- she had, he's killing himself and then she saves him again. And I think this so. is,
1: I think she does save him, but I think she saves him for a purpose. And I want to talk. Oh, about I think, that.
2: I think, I think her intention is the same way that she did not reveal her original question. Now she owns him.
1: Yes, that's right.
2: And what is his, what is his greatest asset besides of being an impeccable face smasher? <laughs> He has uh-huh. Ranera's ear and vice versa. That's
1: right. So I think she's using him as a spy. I think that she's going to be using him as a spy.
2: And he has an option. Because now, because you could say, well, but if he loves Ranera, it's like, yeah, well, also he disgraced the code. She's like, I'll spare your life. You've been hurt by this person. Uh huh. So let's, for the good of the kingdom.
1: I th- yeah, I think that that's probably for, the play. For, I think the play is to say, your life means something now. If it can be the, for the greater good, this is going to be your mission as a knight, right? I think that that's the place she right. has. I, th- I don't think that she can kind of, like, goad
2: him into revenge or something like that. But I can redeem your white shirt.
1: Yeah, that's right. That's right. That's interesting.
2: Okay, I, I'll give you spiritual oxyclean. <laughs> All right,
1: this next storyline is called The Proposal. King Viserys arrives on Driftmark. The king proposes a match between Rhaenyra and Lenore, or Laener, I don't know how to say his name. After a brief discussion about succession and surnames, the king departs. Meanwhile, the newly betrothed walk along the beach and discuss the prospect of an open marriage. Corlys and Reneris talk over their son's true nature. The danger he'll be faced by becoming a target and justice. Later, the two betrothed kids talk about the future with their paramours. The Knight of Kisses seems happy with the arrangement, whereas Kristen Cole suggests that they elope to Essos. Kristen is rejected. Again, very subtle. Very subtle. It's like a key plot point is that Corliss Valerian doesn't meet the king at the gate and bows a little bit like a half a second he bows a little bit too late when the king's in the room mm-hmm. it's like it's it, this is all kind of like subtext corliss is absolutely getting back at Viserys, and it's not on the surface it's all subtext
2: so <laughs> and on it, it and it is something we've talked about this earlier when we were first getting ready for this series and, like, you know, the Targaryen lifestyle is going to be a tough one to to sell. Yeah,
1: sure.
2: <laughs> but here we are, like, talking about all these other things, and we're uh-huh. captivated. And it's like, you want to take a, a bird's-eye view here? It's like, I'm upset that you didn't marry my 12-year-old daughter. But I do accept you offering your daughter...
1: Well, also, this open marriage is like the best possible thing that could happen for us, right? Because we don't like the idea of cousins being married. But this is like a marriage where they both get to have sex with
2: someone who they're not related to. But they will have to create babies. (laughs) So. They will at some point. They're gonna have to. But figure those are that duty out. babies. Those are duty babies, not romance babies. <laughs> right? Exactly. These are incest for the good of the these land. These are all duty
1: babies in the Targaryen world. <laughs> um. All right. So anyway, I thought that this bit of Driftmark, I thought it was an interesting way into it. Uh, a lot of detail. You know, they're walking down the halls, and you kind of, kind of see like. This guy's decorated his pl- palace with skulls, and you know he's looking at the the crab feeder's head on a pike. Right, and he's sitting on like a, a driftwood throne. There's like there's like this uh like this backstory to that throne. It was a, initially. Gifted to the King of Driftmark by, like, Merman a long time ago. There's, like, a mythology behind the throne. So this is the kind of thing that kind of gets me interested.
2: I, I want to see the world outside of King's Landing. Right. Yeah, and all I could think of is, like, I bet you that place sp- smells like my grandparents' house. <laughs> my grandpa used to um, make driftwood clocks. Oh, really? Interesting. Yeah, he would get this driftwood, and he would lacquer it, oh. and then he would... You get put little, like, clock faces on it. And, um, and... I think we might have owned just... one of these clocks at one point. <laughs> and, I had, and it's like, as a kid, you're just like, well, that's boring, right? And I guess it's kind of a cool thing, but, like, their house was, like, you would think you know, I tell you this that they're like, Oh, they must be really interesting people and like maybe kind of a artistic and I'm like, They had a pool table that you couldn't play with. They had a dog that was too mean to touch. They had an organ that they didn't plug in because it was too loud. And I'm like, Why am I ever here? It's like he's got twelve of these driftwood clocks, and none of them have batteries that work. Oh yeah. No, and I remember like he made these things and they were like pretty attractive, you know, pretty yeah. interesting. And I remember for my like sister's like wedding gift or something, he made her a clock. But it was like he took a big old piece of styrofoam and spray painted it gold.
1: Oh, she didn't even get driftwood. <laughs> no, she got a styrofoam one. <laughs> <laughs> They're talking about a subtle burn.
2: Oh yeah, yeah. This is this is the same guys that when they would come visit our house. Like him and then my uncle, they would take out their metal detectors and go searching around our property for things that, like, our kids and, like, my nieces and nephews lost, and then they'd keep it.
1: (laughs) I had never heard this story before. This is fantastic. Oh, yeah. I I will say there's a little part of me that thinks, that's pretty cool. I I, I like metal detectors. (laughs)
2: Yeah, yeah, I remember. I remember my my wife finding like like they found this like little toy hammer or something, and he's like like polishing it off, and then they're like looking at it, you know, my uncle and my grandpa, and she's like, "Oh, cool, you found, you know, our nephew's little toy hammer." He's looking for that, and they just looked at him, looked at my wife, and slowly put it in the bag and kept on. Don <laughs> metal detecting. All right, this next storyline is called King
1: Scabby Patty. After returning from Driftmark, the king faints in the courtyard. Two maesters fuss over him and decide to leech him. He discusses his legacy with Lionel Strong. He wonders if his life might have been different if he had been tested in battle. After a welcome feast gone wrong, he decides to wed the princess in private. Then he collapses again. This, um... Uh, I I don't know if you noticed this, but there's two maesters, and one of the maesters suggests not leeching him. Like he's like, I've got this other herbal thing he can drink. Uh, maybe it's better than leeching the guy. Uh, that guy's name is Maester Orwell,
2: and he'll he'll be kind of important later on. So I just thought I would call him out. So this is sort of like you have somebody who's like traditional medicine versus sort of like uh, holistic.
1: Yeah, approach, I guess right? so.
2: Yeah, this. So someone's over here like, hey, I think what we need to do is I think we need to go into surgery, and then the person's like, nah, man, just eat these gummies, <laughs> You'll feel better. Sure. Or it's like he's sort of the newfangled
1: doctor that the old doctor mm-hmm. kind of distrusts, right? Because he's like
2: reading medical journals and whatnot. Right. Right. Yeah. He's actually got a WebMD app, and he's like, no, no, seriously, you can. <laughs> just scroll and check it out. Uh,
1: I want to talk about uh, what Ver he says here. He's he's sort of looking back on his life, and I think he knows that he's winding down. Right, all of the indications are that his his health is fading really fast. Yeah, he just
2: like his just he just bleeds.
1: <laughs> he just bleeds. He's just he's just a, a big gooey mess. He's a
2: he's just a bummer, man.
1: <laughs> he's an absolute bummer. Um, he has So he has this interesting conversation with Lionel Strong that was very Lord of the Rings, to my mind. And he's basically talking about like, hey, I, you know, I didn't live an exciting life. They're not going to sing songs about me. And Lionel says, you know, other people might just call that a pretty good life. Mm-hmm. Uh, to me, that kind of reminded me of this conversation between Frodo and Sam where they're talking about the kinds of stories you like to listen to versus the kind of stories you'd like to be in. Uh. It was sort of like, we like to read the exciting stories, but I don't think that we would want to live through any of those stories. The The mm-hmm. things that make right. them exciting are also the things that make them very dangerous. And they're sort of realizing that you know they're in a story, and, and this is the kind of stuff that happens to people in a story. I think that King Scabby Patty's realizing my story is really dull.
2: Yeah, and it's going to end pretty gnarly. <laughs> I, I do my, my story. My story is not going to be a pop up book. Okay. The uh,
1: <laughs> after the last episode, I'm really glad that it's not a pop up book. <laughs> 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 Um, I do think that he's wrong though. I, I think that he, he has been tested and I think he's failed.
2: Right. And I think that's an important, I think that's an important distinction because from his perspective, the kind of test that he thinks that he needed to go through would have been much more glorious. You know, swashbuckling. Yeah, Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. But the reality is it's like, no, no, you, you were tested and, and the realm is going to be actually a little bit worse for your being there now. That's right. That's right.
1: And I do think that there's something about him, like, like for the first, I think for the first time this episode, I thought, why doesn't he just throw Damon in a dungeon? Right. Like he told Damon, I don't ever want to see you again. And then he walks in and he kind of just gives him a look. And I thought, for for the first time, I think, how is this king not throwing his brother in a dungeon at this point? And I, the only way I can make sense of it is that like he just can't bring himself to do this to his brother.
2: And that's how I read it. And I and I, and I do I read it as believable in the sense that from a Viser, from a Viserys standpoint it would be it would be more shocking to me if he just actually did something. Especially when it comes to Damon. And I think it, I, well, I think the last the episode, clue... he was
1: kicking him. He kicked him and said, I never want to yeah. see you again. That's something. Yeah.
2: We've, we, we've all kicked a sibling, <laughs> but we didn't kick him to death. <laughs> <laughs> so, and I, and I think the Damon, uh, uh, Corliss conversation when Damon's basically like, Hey, you don't get to talk crap about my brother. Yeah, I can talk crap about right, my brother, right, right. and I think I think that to me that was a that was a much more uh, poignant moment. And I think it, it really it, speaking of subtle, like it really s- sort of set the foundation. I mean, if anybody like who should be more upset at whom, and it's hard to say, right? And Damon is this bad guy who doesn't care about you know mm-hmm. like maybe smashed in skulls for all we know, but don't talk crap about my brother. Like there, right. there's a certain line, like they will go, they will, there are certain lines that they will cross for each other, but then there's another, there's another more, you know, barely visible line that they, we assume they will not cross. I might bring you to death, but I'm not going to kill you.
1: Well, I the might, other way I'm, to look at this is that Damon knows that his brother will never do anything. Right. Right. It's like, I like, I know that you're pissed at me because of what I did to Ranae last time when I was here. I don't care. I'm going to walk in. I'm going to sit right here. I'm going to smile like
2: I don't have a care in the world. And then I'm going to go dance with the bride. It's the trope that you you see a lot in in film and TV where it's just like, if they wanted us dead, we'd be dead by now.
1: Yeah, sure. Sure, sure, sure.
2: And so that, like, how, like, of all, like, he didn't have me uh, thrown into a dungeon or killed. And he thinks... That I defiled his daughter.
1: He thinks that. And what more? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, what more could he do? There's not, in my mind, there's nothing that Damon could do that would actually cause his brother to do anything about it.
2: I mean, he. Because we've seen the limits be tested here. (laughs) He's sitting
1: there watching Damon almost kiss Renera on the dance floor. And he basically, like, you know, it's kind of like. Looking up like a like a little field animal, like what what's happening over there? He doesn't yeah, yeah. really do anything, and I guess the whole thing gets interrupted by this fight. But it's hard to mean, for me to imagine that he could do anything that would warrant his brother's immediate response.
2: Right, and so that's why I believe it because I and I, I believe especially juxtaposed with the I I wasn't tested, and it's like and we just said yeah, you are. In fact, you get tested all the time by your brother. Yeah. And you fail that test every single time. Yeah. <laughs> and and it's 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 a wild it's a wild thing that, that that takes place. Um and and especially, you know, you talked about the sort of the comparison we talked about this earlier, you know, where uh you know he he confronts his wife and and his wife goads him to what we assume is like if she just left him alone, he wouldn't have done anything. But like look on the flip side, right? Mm-hmm. Look what good Damon does to mm-hmm. to Viserys goads him all the way through i'm coming back you're banished what if i came back what if i cut my hair <laughs>
1: yeah sure
2: <laughs> what if i wear glasses next time what are you gonna do that that's the old me that was the old me man look at me short
1: hair <laughs> wear cool. a hat what if i wear a hat I, I look like a totally <laughs> exactly. different
2: guy if i was wearing a hat that's right he comes in he comes in on a segue and he's just like well
1: <laughs> it's like i i didn't like the other guy but he's he's changed this guy He's <laughs> got a little more zip in his step. Yeah, this, I don't know the whole mutton chop look. Is, I, I trust him now. <laughs> I feel like he's a, he's a different person. <laughs> <The> smoking jacket. <laughs> <laughs> um. All right. Last storyline: the feast. After a heavy dose of smarm by Jason Lannister, House Valerian enters the throne room. Lenore is presented as the future king consort, and everyone claps. Then Damon enters to the chagrin of King Basiris. During the festivities, the Knight of Kisses susses out that Kristen is the other paramour and approaches him. Kristen bristles at the suggestion that his affair with Renera is now an open rumor. Damon dances with Renera. She goads him to take her by force to Dragonstone and wed her. The king looks on as a fight breaks out. The source of the fight is unclear, but Kristen ends up beating the knight of kisses to a pulp. Ah, all right. So what happens? What, what I, I I think it's in,
2: I think again. I think this is meant to be intentionally vague. Because we don't, because like, because Damon and Renery start to go out of sight from our perspective, right? I
1: don't know what is the source of this fight, and
2: because because we, because yeah. it's, it's you would think, like, I mean, if you're connecting dots, like, well, maybe, maybe there was a reaction to Damon's advances, because at this point, I mean, it's very clear, like, this is a uh, in like an engagement ceremony, essentially, yeah, so. If anybody's making advances towards, uh, you know, the, the queen to be, regardless of who that person is, you would think that that would, re- that would invite some sort of action. And so that, so we, I think we, we can be inclined to believe that that's what spurs it, right? That Damon in his chaos tornado did it. And to some degree, maybe yes. Yeah, you don't invite don't a tornado to
1: a party and not expect a fight to break out. And yet, the other way you could look at this is that well, it could, he had nothing to do with this. Kristen Cole just decided he was going to go pummel this uh, this guy.
2: Especially from our perspective, we know that he goes over there and he starts doing his Damon thing. Mm-hmm. But Renera is not pushing away his advance. In fact, she's suggesting something else. Whether she's doing it tongue in cheek or she's doing it to challenge him, that dialogue is very clear that this is not this is not a get away from me. Well, on top of that,
1: he's taunted by two women in this episode. He's taunted by his former wife, who, uh, in my view, he kills. Right. Right. And then he's taunted by Renera to take me, you know, take me away. You, you're yeah. gonna, you're, you're gonna, you've got, your armed go fight through the king's guard kidnap me if you want me and so for to, for me to think that he does nothing after being taunted or being goaded is not that's not in his character right so i don't so it makes me feel like he's the source of this in in some way i i don't I'm not really sure what to do think, with all that
2: and here's what i here's what i believe i believe he may, he's the source of this because he just always is even if he doesn't do it, like that—that's uh-huh. kind of his thing. He doesn't have to seal the deal, which is kind of a, a, a fun parallel for this Ed thing. Is he doesn't actually have to finish to not have done some damage. <laughs> sure, okay. And so here he and so Kristen is is all torqued up for a number of reasons. Why? Right? I mean, he told the Queen about his uh, his, his actions, so they're out in the open to somebody. So he's kind of like at any point she could just. Flip the script and say, yeah, seize him. Like, that can happen. Yeah. he's He knows that he's been spurned by his lover. And, and if he wants to continue to be with her, it has to be in secret while she's, you know, keeping appearances. That's not what he's all about. Now you've got, uh, you know, he, his secret is not only out to the queen, but, like, Lenore and his paramour know. Mm-hmm. And now he's got this. He's like, so, well, so he's dishonored. Like his dishonor isn't even a secret anymore. That's right. And who knows how, and it, it, he knows that that can be used against him. And that's kind of how it's presented. Right. And so he's got, he's all fired up. And then on top of it, now Damon's back in the picture and he's going to be going over there. And now he's, he's messing around with or doing something with Renera. Mm-hmm. So he like, we talk about powder keg, Kristen was ready to explode. Yeah, that's right. And so, and so Damon's presence may have been enough to light the match without doing anything else. Right. Sure. All right. So there's another way to look at this Kristen Cole business.
1: And I think everything you just said, I agree with. I do want to note that I think that there might be a homophobia element to this. I was thinking about this throughout the episode. I was thinking, okay, so Kristen cole's mr honorable right Right. that's exactly the kind of guy who has a standard that he's trying to live up to some sort of impossible standard that does not leave room
2: for an lgbt view of the world i I think there there's something to that i know that this episode has been getting some recent criticism um it would be weird if it wasn't recent because it just came out (laughs) um but about how uh it's uh they call it the i think it's the bury the gays trope and it's the it's where we see maybe excessive violence done to uh, somebody uh in the from the lgbt community that might feel a little bit uh not necessarily out of place like it may make sense from a narrative perspective but maybe the way it's handled uh, and especially how graphic this is um if you juxtapose it to the lack of graphic scene of, uh, Damon killing his wife sure. but again. That could be also because we're meant for that to be ambiguous. So I know that that's definitely could be part of the narrative mm-hmm. structure and that's important. Um, but if you just take it at, at, uh, you know, no pun intended, face value and you take the two and go, <laughs> one was, one was, was obscured, uh-huh. one was clearly more graphic. So that's why I think there's a little bit of, uh, of criticism because I think Game of Thrones has had a tendency to do this in the past. Um, and I don't think it's just a Game of Thrones thing, but I mean, it happens in, in, uh, other, uh, media as well. But I think, I think that that's, this is another one of those, hey, we get introduced to, uh, the, this character and, uh, here's an interesting element of that, uh, yeah. of that story. And then it's quickly dismissed and it's dismissed in a pretty violent fashion. But on the, but the flip side to, to your take on it, part of the, maybe the graphic nature of it and the, and, and the, the, the horrifying end is because of a critique potentially of how that would be well, perceived by someone. Yeah, I
1: think that I, I, that time. I think that I, I find it very believable that someone like Kristen Cole would be homophobic. Sure. I think that, that might be a more I think that might be a more standard view in this world. Does it have to be this violent? Right? Does it right. why is this death so violent?
2: And Portray. i mean like it could have still been like it wasn't just violent but we had to see like it's the most graphic thing i think we've seen thus far right
1: i mean there was a guy that got his
2: nads chopped off in episode yeah. one. it's not often you see hamburger face
1: though <laughs> I, I you know what you're right hamburger face is uh that's, that's, it's that's, a special kind of gross
2: it is a special kind of gross
1: uh yikes and then of course that that scene where lenore's he you know he's not even he's not even given a chance to grieve he's just let's get no. the wedding
2: over now man that that is to that was like it was so much to take and then that the wedding scene becomes so much more like unpalatable right yeah. i mean like you i mean because it because it is if you, like you, you realize for a show that does time jumps, this is immediate and this is real time. Cause I mean, he's still like his nose is still bleeding. Yes. And, <laughs> yeah. and he's, I mean, and they're just if everything. It felt like torture, right? I mean like here, all right, move on. And every, I mean, they're, they're those two kids, I mean, let's be real, their they're kids, their world just, not only is it like going to change because now they're going to have to be married and eventually run the show. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're, they just, the, the two things that they were like kind of, the two things that the thing that they bonded over, like maybe the only thing they bonded right. over, was an agreement that they would continue to pursue the love and those two loves. One killed the other. Yeah. So that relationship is a little bit different now.
1: I think so. All right. So here's my question. What was the the most awkward loveless wedding ceremony? This one or the one between Tyria and Sansa?
2: Oh yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, I mean, that's a good question. Um, Because that other one was pretty bad, too. Yeah, that was so, so awkward. This one is really something else, too, I think, just because of all of the circumstances involved, right? I mean, and and, and they're like fresh off, uh, you know, hey, the the guy that I was kind of hoping to to hang out with uh, just killed the guy you were hoping to hang out with. I mean, hopefully we can get past this. it's not it's not ideal it's not ideal at all all right
1: so dismemberment count uh, again uh no dismemberments although bloody face count uh, yeah i mean I, I, the parts were gone uh yeah no we definitely have uh the the bloodied face count i'm going to say is at 2 because we got a bloody nose from Viserys. Uh, night of kisses is not going to be kissing anyone ever again. No, no. So okay, so then we have the cheek speak again. The undertakes it. We're both wrong. The yeah, Undertakes it. Yeah, yeah. Both wrong on that. And then finally, oh yeah. So next week, uh, what we're, we're going to set the line at for next week? Well, so we're time jumping, right?
0: This it is, this looks is it?
1: from the pre-use for next week. It looks like. A major time job, so we're this is
2: where we get we're gonna get new new performers, either that um, or this is not... gonna
1: be like that a team episode where they replace face and don't mention any <laughs> any difference at all <laughs> it was it was yeah. sort of where my cynicism was born as a television viewer, like they're just gonna replace face with another actor and they're not gonna give me any explanation. His name is right. face.
2: you would think that that'd be something his face is
1: kind of crucial to this character that's his name so all right sorry i've been i've been waiting to do a podcast
2: on that (laughs) 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 continue um yeah so uh i think yes i think we're doing the time and are are we is viserys dead or we'll find that out. I'm assuming, but I mean, like, are we? Were we to believe that he just dropped dead?
1: Yeah, I think I better not say anything.
2: Okay. Okay. So cheek speak for next week. It's so hard. I mean, we've been. I mean, you know, I, I tend to. It's I, it's
1: like it's like predicting like baseball
2: before analytics. It used to be like, well, I think he's due. Right. Due. You know? Due would be, and that's the thing is I've been operating on, and that's how I would like. You know, I used to always watch sports. I'm like, oh, dude, that this is gonna be the Ron Harper game. You know, he's due. <laughs> he's
1: due. Yeah, he's a good player who's who's been bad all season. He's due to to break out of it this game. So I, it's it's possible that we get. But I kind of feel like the last episode, episode four, was kind of instructive. It was like this is gonna be our eyes wide shut episode. It's still, I mean, just just very few butts. In that episode. Yeah. I think
2: you got to set the line
1: pretty low now, don't you?
2: I was going to set the line at one and a half.
1: One and a half. So one full moon and a side cheek. Mm-hmm. I'm going to take the under. I, I mean, how can I, I? I just feel like I should be taking the under every single time. Yeah, I want to go over. <laughs> you're going <you're laughs> to keep going over until yeah. till you get one.
2: Our listeners are just going to be like, is he just like horned up or, you know? <laughs> <laughs>
1: All right, finally, Steve, was this episode uh, uh, a Danny, a Dorn, or a Dinklage? I'm going to say it was properly Dinklage. I'm going to say that, too. I think I got my... And I had two Dinklage-ranged episodes in a row. Yeah. So this this season's shaping into form, for sure.
2: Yeah, and I and I'll say... I don't think it was just because of like shock value. I mean, there was a, there was an element of like, it's a wedding game of Thrones. You gotta give me something, you know? Sure. And so, and I, but I also think that's of all the things we talked about, the rise of Alicent, um, the introduction of Laris, uh, it's just so many things in there that I'm like, Oh, you know, even though we just got glimpses of the outer, uh, worlds, um, those glimpses were—they went a long way for me, and I'm hoping that will, you know, that enough detail was done on those to indicate that we're gonna we're gonna go mm-hmm. places going forward. So I I feel like I feel like it had all the things that I usually look for. I think maybe. that I got a,
1: a much better window into the Valerian family. Right, it's more than just the parents now. These kids have personalities. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm really excited about that. There was this moment where Lionel Strong like. Nods to his eldest son. By the way, his his nickname is Breakbones. Love it. So he he gives a little nod to Breakbones, and it was almost like Breakbones gets the permission to just like, I'm just gonna go kick some ass now. My my dad just gave me permission to kick some ass, and he totally pulls it off. And then Laris is like. I'll tell you what I I was never a fan of the Littlefinger actor. Mm. This guy is sort of like everything that I I wanted from Littlefinger, and I love the actor. Uh, oh, nice. So I, I I'm really enjoying these strong boys, and uh, and all of that. None of that includes anything about Damon. And I think that if you you could do this whole episode without any Damon Targaryen, and I probably would have given it a Dinklage. I agree. And then Damon walks in the room and you're just like, oh, gosh, this is just too much.
2: Yeah. Yeah. No, this one, it was one of the it was it had it all. It was so well done. And the acting again is great. The uh, direction is wonderful. Um,
1: None of this works without Viserys, though. I'm telling you. Oh, no, I know. And that's this guy's passivity is just
2: amazing. And if this is the last we've seen of him, it's just a, it's just, that's a bummer. I mean, it's fine. Yeah, what an amazing story performance. Perspective, right? But, but, uh, it's just, just really, and, and I'll be honest, of all of the actors, he was the one I was the most concerned about my ability to embrace. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Just because of everything else I've seen him in Because, and because of Pop it's fuzz. It's like it was of hot fuzz, hot fuzz <laughs> uh, you know, and, 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 but sure. also just like, you know, you, you get a sense of like, I don't want the, the less I know of an actor prior, the better. Yeah. Or if they're more unrecognizable. And he's like such a recognizable face, but he's, he crushes. Yeah. He's amazing. He's so good.
1: He's amazing. And I, and I will say that I'm, I'm going to miss. The younger versions of Alicent and Renery. Yes, absolutely. going forward. So I'm hoping maybe for a flashback every now and again. But uh, but if this was it, you know, if it sort of it was a, a five and five thing, like we'll give we'll give the younger duo the first five episodes. We'll give the older duo the second five episodes. I think I'm okay with that. I'm, I think I'm okay. Yeah. Anyway, so exciting, exciting episode. Uh, and uh, I, I can't wait. I can't wait to see where this goes next.
2: Well, and and every episode has made me like excited for the next. But this is this this one had more of that like ah, mm-hmm. come on Sunday. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly—it's sunny again.
0: We want to think that it was extremely different back then, but it actually really wasn't. Like The, hmm. the stratified system in which medieval, the way that medieval society functioned was that you had your peasants. There was this kind of nebulous city class of laborers who were not peasants because they did not work on the land. But they did all kinds of other things that were required for society to function. These are your blacksmiths, these are your tailors, your butchers, your bakers, your jewelry mm-hmm. makers, your merchants, like this very nebulous class, which we eventually come to define as middle class. Um, it's been there the whole time. It's just been going by a different name. And this nebulous middle class was constantly viewed as a threat by the upper classes. They were constantly worried that these people are going to rise too high and try to take power.
1: from us. Interesting. Um,
0: Interesting. And that's why you see things like, for instance, sumptuary laws. Sumptuary mm-hmm. laws governed what people were and were not allowed to wear. There were certain fabrics, certain colors, certain furs, that unless you were of a certain social class, you were not allowed to wear them. The color that's purple, for instance, uh, was at least in the Roman period and well into the medieval period, unless you were a member of a royal family, you were not allowed to wear purple.
1: That's so interesting. And and would that I'm I'm assuming that there were other levels of the hierarchy that could wear oh, different yeah. colors. Is that yes. how it
0: worked? Yeah. I mean, and of course part of it was also just dependent on dyes and how expensive they were. But like the dye for purple came from a very specific beetle Uh, It's called Tyrian purple because it's uh, beetles from Tyr uh, in in the Middle East. And they would have to crush them up and they would have to and crush like thousands and thousands of these beetles to just make a very small amount of purple dye. Um, But it was considered one of the rarest dyes in the world. And so if you were going to wear purple, you had to be of a certain bloodline. You had to be of a certain social class. And if you were not in that group and you were caught wearing purple, you could be in a lot of trouble. <laughs> so
1: <laughs> well, it also would help you identify like yeah. you know, let, let let's say th- there's a, a a lord coming coming through your town. You're going to be able to identify this person just by the kind of clothes this person's yes. wearing and know that they are of a higher social rank, right?
0: Yeah. And the and and they would just look different. It would be different fabrics, it would be different cuts. Mm-hmm um and so uh so those laws were there to make visible these societal differences if you Mm -hmm. were wearing homespun clothing odds are you were uh, a member of the lower classes who had to make your clothing at home if you were wearing sort of local fabric but it was cut in a fancier way maybe you were a member of the merchant classes and you were able to afford to have a professional tailor do you do the work for you um whereas if you are wearing just this absolutely jewel encrusted gown. you were probably a member of the upper classes um and mm. that was also a way that people like people would show off their wealth and people would manifest their wealth through what they wore um if right. you were going out in public and you were the king you would be dressed for the occasion because like it was a also car. a way <laughs> yeah very much like it was it was a very easy shorthand way for people to go oh that's yeah. the king or oh that's a person i mean monty python and the holy grail like like oh he's the king he's the only one who doesn't have shit all over him like, well it's, it's <laughs> not right. that quite that simple but it's also not it's, that much more complicated it,
1: there's some truth <laughs> there <laughs> oh that's fantastic people the
2: strange germans seem wicked <laughs> when you read history <laughs>
1: Hey, um, speaking of Germans, uh, we have not made any progress in Germany <laughs> and we've lost a little bit of ground in the Philippines. Hmm. Yeah. So I don't know. I probably in, inadvertently insulted someone on the last podcast. Yeah. Well,
2: starts to, after a while we wonder how inadvertent it is. <laughs>
1: um, we i'm we're killing it in hungary we are just like still hungry it's not just like the tv reviews category it's just like in general we're doing really well in hungary we've jumped significantly in australia we've dipped a little bit in finland so hmm yeah that's like that's for sure my fault yeah that's your Uh, fault for sure the thing that I'm most excited about is we've jumped 74 ranks to become the second rated TV review podcast in India. Wow, that's big. Well, you know how many more people are in India than are in Finland? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, we don't need your Finland, never did. <laughs> Sorry Philippines, we'd love to have you back. Let's let's try to do better next week, shall we? We'll be here I'm waiting for you. All right, this is a review from uh, Team Giffen. Oh, no
2: boy! <laughs> Django? No, there's a there's a dog we're taking a look at. Another dog? Well, yeah. Uh,
1: this is a dog that you're. Ta- what does it taking a look at mean?
2: Well, Heather wants a. a dog to replace Laddie for uh freestyle competitions cuz Laddie's not super into it.
1: Laddie's so, not cutting it, huh?
2: No, so he's uh sending Laddie to AAA, calling up <laughs> <laughs> Who we calling up? <laughs> it's true. I mean, he's told it's it's totally getting sent down. Um so so she's got her hands on a on a miniature poodle that somebody was looking to potentially rehome. Uh-huh. And uh and so she's visiting for a while. I like the to word see if rehome, a... by the way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. To see if uh if she's a good Sounds fit. a lot less dirty. <laughs> right. Yeah. Then <laughs> no one wants this damn dog. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, I'm just going to rehome my baby at the fire department.
1: <laughs> Does this dog have a name?
2: Well, its name is Henley. Like Don Henley? Exactly like Don Henley. Specifically, to be named after Don Henley.
1: Interesting. Interesting that you used to have a dog named after the Dude. I know. The Dude is not a fan of the Eagles.
2: And right. now you've so, got a dog named Henley. Well, and Heather's like, I think, I mean, if we kept her, I think we would keep Henley. And I'm like, in my mind, I'm like, mm, that seems disrespectful. <laughs> I'm not going to dishonor the memory of Dude. You can name her, you can name her.
1: Credence. <laughs> Uh, name her Silver Bullet. Fogarty. Fogarty. Fogarty's, Dude, a Fogarty. Fogarty's an incredible dog name. Now I, now I say it out loud. <laughs> All right. Uh, this is uh, this is from Team Giffen. Admirable job. These guys are entertaining. Nice guests and entertaining banter. Five stars. Thumbs up. Listen during work and I can still glean educational nuggets. So I, I'm happy. I'm happy to ha- entertain people at work. I hope that this isn't the kind of work. I don't, know. I don't know. I don't know if I want to be responsible for like any plane crashes
2: or anything like that. <laughs> yes, yeah, he's a brain surgeon.
1: Yeah, maybe as a brain surgeon, just focus. Just focus <laughs> on the task at hand. You don't. I don't want to be involved with that. Yeah, like or yeah, like a, he's a chainsaw juggler. <laughs> if you are a chainsaw juggler, Team
2: Giffen, maybe just focus. Yeah, my concern is with Team Giffen is, like, maybe that's the name of, like, he's not just a single chainsaw juggler. Like, he juggles with, like, a group. A troop. Yeah, (laughs) chainsaw juggling troop, and then he's over there with his his AirPods in it, and everybody's like, I really need you to focus on this one.
1: (laughs) All right, this is called Double Trouble. This is Jeff from the Midwest. (laughs) There's only one Jeff I care about. There's only one Jeff we care about from the Midwest. We need more of Steve and his opinion. Steve needs to be awake and just a little stoned, not blazed out of his mind. (laughs) That might help. Uh, The professor is doing great when boats are involved. (laughs) But without boats, (laughs) he needs to step it up. Love you guys. Uh, Keep doing what you're doing. I will listen to whatever you talk about. You know, this episode we we had a boat. And I was thinking we had both a boat and barf. And I'm a big fan of boats, and you're a big fan
2: of people throwing up. I, you know me, man. I, I, it's almost impossible for me to not laugh a little bit when I see someone throw up. It's like they've created a show just for us. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. Yeah, double the pleasure for Double Dragon, that's for sure. Staying awake. Yeah, no, staying it's funny because uh, a lot of times I'm, uh, I'm at Punchline on Sundays. Yeah. And and, uh, you know, I don't get home until like maybe 11 o'clock. So. Uh, so do you often, try to watch when you get home? Oftentimes, I, like, yeah, I try to I try to try to get it in before I go to bed.
1: Well, that's good. I mean, assu- assuming that you're not uh, under the influence while you're driving, you're probably pretty sober then. for oh, your, yeah. For your House of the Dragon experience.
2: Yeah, and I don't. I mean, if I was going to get home at eleven, and I probably wouldn't pour myself something or or partake in anything because there's almost no chance I would stay awake in that case.
1: All right. If you would like to leave us a review on iTunes, it'll probably get read on this podcast. You could always email us at book at dot com. Are you like petting yourself or petting a dog?
2: You can hear the petting.
1: Oh, I can hear something.
2: Okay. Yeah, this is a dog, <laughs> to be clear. <laughs> I mean, I like this episode, but I didn't like it that much. <laughs> I guess I just assumed that you're petting the dog. I mean, I hear it often.
1: I sort of like—I'm not sure whether I should just like mind my
2: own business. (laughs) It's like maybe he really loves the sound of my voice. (laughs) (laughs) It it is a good episode. (laughs) They they really have great chemistry. I'm I'm concerned about Steve's engagement.
0: (laughs) We <laughs> see